It's Cofield and Company on the road. Right now, you got to do that sometimes. Yeah. Got to hustle. As I just waste 10 more seconds. No. No, <laughs> there should be requirements to buy these things. Pay attention, young man. Okay. There's a method to the madness. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Bar Canada, D Las Vegas, brand new spot for us. We're going to be out here uh, most of the Mondays, the rest of the way. The regular season for the Golden Knights. Come on down here tonight. You can watch the Sharks game. Check out this cool new bar. We got draft specials on uh, Miller Coors and Heineken. You got a Collector's Cup available, and uh, it's a hockey bar. That's why it's called Bar Canada. It's a hockey bar. So, you know, other places you might have to fight to get the hockey sound on. It's on. What do we got behind me? We got Sabers going. Uh, yep, Sabers and Capitals. And Penguins and Bruins. All right. You fired up? Also, Sac- Sacramento and Charlotte. You're, well, not with the sound on, though. No, no, no. You're in your element? Hockey? Love I it. don't know what your element is anymore. I don't either. Yeah, I don't even do. Day to day, do you even know what you're covering? Um, Jack of all trades. Master of uh, a little bit. I finished my mock draft at like oh, 1, 1 a.m. Oh, my God. How often do you have to do these mock drafts? And then started the... Uh, doing every week or every two weeks? Started the region by region bracket breakdown, which you're I... You're doing that too? I think I stopped at about about 8.45. Yeah. Myron Metcalf did a really good write-up for ESPN. Just copy and paste it. Let's change seem, a couple of nah, words. That's not good. I, I, it, won't local, get you, it won't get you in trouble with your newspaper. I that, 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 never, that never happens. Don't you can copy and paste. But I localize some of it too. Like uh, I said, the, the the best possible matchup in the South region would be Texas Tech and Baylor, because then you'd get either Chris Beard or Jonathan Chamuchachua in the Final Four. That's a good point. Yeah, you got to get in those those local points. Of course. Uh, I, I got to tell you, we'll get the Big Five here in a second. We have a ton of football news, ton of football news. Aguilar's gone. Nelson Aguilar off to the Patriots. Two years, $13 million. Malik Collins gone. Some people are probably happy about that. But he's, uh, he's off to the Texans one year, $6 million deal. Headline deal of the day, at least in this part of the country. In Vegas, Yannick Ngakwe, that coveted rush end. He's with Vegas. Looks like it's going to be a two-year $26 million deal. One more thing on localizing college basketball. You know, I followed this throughout the season, seeing how guys from UNLV did elsewhere, and it really irked me when I looked up on, uh, was it Friday, whatever night it was, I think Friday or Saturday night, and uh, in the whack, Trey Woodbury had 34 <laughs> for Utah Valley, Clark, yeah. Clark High School guy who was at UNLV, and I know Donnie Tillman was a giant pain in the ass at times, but that was the position they really had a hole at this year at the four. You know, the guys are all kind of, you know, Moses Wood did a good job at times. Delcadia just wasn't ready. Uh, Reese Brown not quite ready. And then Tillman goes out and scores 23 for New Mexico State. You're like 57 points, the two of them. And, again, I'm not saying on the UNLV roster they would have been, you know, 32-minute-a-night guys. But God knows on the, on, on the bench they needed some more help. JTT, Tillman, Woodbury all having, you know, Important roles on teams that were very close to going to the tournament or oh, in the tournament. Mari Hardy had an important role on Oregon. Mari Hardy, too. Uh, Little Rock wasn't as good this year as they were last year, but Ben Coupet, his last two years, turned into about 13 points per game. Didn't I see uh, – didn't Troy Baxter almost make the tournament with Morgan State? I think he was the best player on Morgan State this year, and they, they were a runner-up in their conference. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. 
number five. All of that. Dwayne, Dwayne Morgan? <laughs> All of that super important news. Uh, Dwayne's, I think he was done, wasn't he? He wasn't on the so. Yeah, he, was, he, played, he got six so years nothing. out of his, uh, his college career. <laughs> All that important sports news. and uh, Well, it's sports news. Uh, did you see the heartbreaker of the weekend that uh, looks like J-Lo and A-Rod? Splitsville. Dude, how slow are you on news? We, we weren't on the air when it... Well, we were, actually. So they're back together. They're back together already? Yes. What happened to the broad with uh, with Southern Charm? She's forgiven him. Oh, that's dangerous. That's a, You know I'm an A-Rod guy, and I'm not a J-Lo guy. What is she doing? Well, you, I mean, you, you have to know. So the, the story out on Friday, man, I, I am behind on that. I, I swear I was just going to look up, like, did they get back together? Like, it seemed like an impossibility. The dream was dead. If you... Get with Alex Rodriguez, and you think you're going to freaking tame the Wild Stallion? You're nuts. This the, is what he is. The Wild Stallion. He's a lunatic. He loves women. Well, he's not going to settle down. He's also, I mean, he is the cheesiest of all cheese balls. With who? J-Lo or Madison LaCroix? I think both. Well, here's... By the way, I... You know that the SO's laid up... With a, uh, she's got a bad wheel right now. She, she, I, I don't know what's going on with her, but she is like, we've been watching a lot of Bravo, right? Okay. So I'm already on below deck, below deck regular and below deck med. Sweet till Vanderpump and, coming And back. I see all the promos for the housewives, and every time I'm like, ugh, this is just gross. And now all of a sudden, it, it's the housewives are on all the time. It's Dallas. There's a Southern Charm show that, that's a different – and New Orleans. And then there's Housewives of Atlanta. And, you know, you got the, the freaking – the meatheads from New Jersey. And what, what, what's the other – what are the other – Salt Lake. We were watching Salt Lake. I'm like, I, how do you do this? I don't watch Housewives. So and I'm, apparently I'm, Madison LaCroix was on one of them, like six, uh, year six and uh, – whatever, season six and seven in Charleston. And then she uh, DM sliding A-Rod, and it was all over. But they're back together. All right. Well, they've issued a statement that they're working through some things. Well, they're not back together yet, then. Well, that, that I mean, that's they're not calling it quits yet. You saw Canseco dancing all over of the course. grave, right? Of course on Saturday, he, he was all fired up. Canseco hates A Rod. He really and does. And he's like, "Told you so." Well, settle down, Jose. How's the how's Jose's Bigfoot hunting <laughs> business going, or his boxing career? <laughs> There's a whole. I think the gas station's doing all right. Do you stop at the gas station over on? Uh, we'll give him a free plug over on Trop and Jones. I didn't uh, get an autograph uh, on, on any given day that, when he's available. That guy. Okay, it's that corner. Like we know some things about that corner. What do you mean? That gas station. Remember the bar where people disappeared all the time? Ah, uh, it's it's fine. It's the same corner. I got, you know what, I talked to a bartender who worked at that place, and she said there was, actually, you know what, she wouldn't answer. That's a good point. Yeah. I kept saying people, what was it, you can't remember the name of the bar, can you? MVPs. Oh, MVPs. It's gone Yeah, now. yeah. Um, yeah, we used to, we'd go in there, and it was kind of a, it was a cool place. It always seemed empty, but what wasn't empty, there seemed to be like a black hole in the back. People would just walk back and never come out. Yeah. And I'm like, you have, there was, I was asking the bartender, I'm like, former bartender, I'm like, there had to be something going on there. There like, had to be. drugs or something. Some kind of ritual. Not like not like sporadically. Uh, I was saying if you sat there oh, for two hours, time. you would see like six, seven people go to the back, never come back out. Yeah. Like where are they going? In that same corner is Jose's corner. That gas station, I, I don't know what goes on there. I've like pulled up in there like three times. Every time there's been no gas. Yeah. Maybe oh, this, really? Maybe this is before he owned it because I used to live at that corner like 12 years yeah. ago. Yeah. 
But the Albertson's pretty good. I think there's a, one of the chain haircut places in there's, there. I got a haircut there. There's no lights at that gas station. It's always dark. It's very weird. Are you sure? It, yes, I'm sure. I've been there a couple times. It's all right. Okay. It's all, the, the prices are always off. It's either like way below market or way over market. You know how like all the gas stations seem to move their prices at the same time? Yeah. No, they just never move them. No, they're always no, they're but it's like they're like two months behind everybody else. Like, hey, that's way cheaper here. And then sometimes you go, they're like, why is your gas still four fifty? Everybody else is like two ninety four. Well, now. then I guess right now is a great time to go, right? Yeah, everything just went up. I so, bet you that they're so slow. We're, we're, giving, we're giving Jose's gas place a, a free pop. I bet you it's cheaper than everybody else. Right now. Are you going sure. to stop there? Save, come on, Angel, stop at the the work van. You can get some cheap gas. Save the save the company Jose, a little money. Jose did make that comment though about his fight uh, when he was talking about. Uh, a-Rod and uh, J-Lo, something about being injured from his fight and that he wasn't really able to jump into J-Lo's DMs right now. Oh. He's like, I'm a little sore. Oh, is that right? I don't know. He's good. A little self deprecation he's, he's good on Twitter. After he called his daughter a nickname and everybody made fun of him, and he's like, no, that's really her nickname. It was a whole weird thing. Was her nickname Poop? Yes. Then he explained that. I was like, I don't really get it. I still yeah, don't get it. I don't either. I don't know why that had to carry for another 20 years with the poor girl. I have no idea what he's doing. Move on. Number four. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, we're rolling live video right now. Blanket, Bar Canada. You can check it out. Adam's got full view of the machines in the back. I've got full view of uh, the Bar Canada sign, I think, and some TVs. I'll I'll shift the shot. But you can watch us doing some video right now up on Facebook and Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube as well. Oh, sorry. I I forgot what I was going to say about it. Can I go back one second? I don't know. Number four. It's not number five. He. The reason I said he's cheese, a cheese ball, he posted on Instagram a picture of him taking a selfie on a sailboat, and he referred to it as a sail pee. Dude, what are you doing? He's the cheesiest dude ever. He is. I'm not going to argue with you. He's a weird guy. Sorry. Number four. We've got another heightist out there, another bigot. Okay. Remember what a rash of crap the bagel boss got? The little guy in the bagel shop was like four nine, and everyone just mocked on him for his height. Well deserved. So two weeks ago, we had Jim Beheim come out and go after some guy who's five foot two. Uh, Jim with his uh, old D energy, shriveled up, having to lash out at people. Now we got Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons going after some rando announcer for for calling him overrated. Justin Kutcher, who won this battle, Ari? Was it the announcer or was it Ben Simmons? Uh, not the multimillionaire who took the time to uh, scroll through the reporter's IG and came up with nothing better than, oh, this guy's 5'5". Five, five. Why should I pay him any attention? Who do you think won? Well, he got all mad because the guy said he's overrated. And then he went through his, his uh, Instagram and found a picture of him reclining in a robe. <laughs> right. And I guess noticed that he's 5'5". Five five. Referred to him as another casual. Another casual, yeah. I mean, I think I think the announcer wins because, like, who even knew who he was before today? Yeah, and like now he's, a, he's, he's kind of a you know mid-range play-by-play guy who's made a career of it. You know, yeah. So I, I guess I don't I don't like him. He bagged on at like not that I remember things, but he I'd say nine years ago he bagged on Rutgers during a basketball game when he was yeah. talking about Jason Williams and Troy Murphy. So. Yeah. And I immediately was like, "I, dude, shut up. You went to Boston University. I don't know anything about him. He's on your list? He could be on the list. Is he another, he's another casual with his stupid robe. 
Are we? I kind of like. I actually like the robe. I was gonna say, are we pro robe or I'm anti robe? I'm pro robe. If I could, if I could get away with wearing a robe all the time, I'm very pro robe. It's got to be a really nice robe. I feel like. I feel like average to to subpar robes are just awful. But like a really nice, fancy, soft robe. Was it not nice a nice robe. enough robe for you? No, it was fine. I'm just saying in general, I'm gonna need if I if I'm gonna say that a robe is like a solid item it's got to be a really good robe i think i'm i think i'm a a snob a robe snob like, like a lot of a lot of like poor quality robes are just big towels i need like a have you ever purchased a robe in your life God, no me either no but if you're like at a resort or you know like a fancy hotel and they've got them throw them on why not i should get a robe though <laughs> Why not? Well, it's kind of you know, it's kind of gotten a, like a Jersey reputation with Tony Soprano walking down this driveway. That could be sure. me in my in my neighborhood with my driveway that's like the length of a car versus Sopranos that's you know seventy five feet long. Here's the thing: I'm not saying you. I'm saying anybody in general. If you didn't purchase a robe over the last year, you're never buying one. Yeah. Like this was robe. T- this was prime was. time for robes. You're right. Robes should have been thriving, and I don't think they were. Like I didn't see like a lot of. They weren't like being advertised on TV and stuff like that. Why weren't they advertised? I, I don't know. This would like this is snuggy time, robe time. Th- th- this is this is their prime time. This is when they should have thrived. It's a brilliant point. Number three. Are you mad that Rick Pitino's in the NCAA tournament? Shouldn't the good guys always win? Well, <laughs> good guys. I'm not mad. The, the thing I'm the thing I'm kind of annoyed by is, and I th- I don't know if this is. I think this goes back to people not really paying attention to college basketball. But, we're, and listen, it's an awesome accomplishment. For what they went through, they had a 50-day pause. They started the season late. It was a mess. Then they played like 30 games in like 32 days, something ridiculous. That's an exaggeration. But they, they played an insane schedule when they had to make up for all these, all these games because they missed two months. And to have them in the tournament, great job. And obviously he's an unbelievable coach. But, like, I'm seeing the narrative like, Wow, he took over Iona and took them to a tournament. They're in the tournament every year. It's like five of the last six tournaments they've That's, been in. It's actually a really good program. Yeah, it's a great program. So still, it's not like he took over low, some. It's a low mid-major conference. Right, that people don't necessarily pay attention. But, like, Clues right. was going there every year. Correct. So th- this is not some reclamation project that Patino did. Again, I, I, I don't want to – it comes across like I'm trashing, you know, his accomplishment. It's a great accomplishment. And, again, they had to battle through a lot for sure. But like, let's not act like he. This program is like win two games every year, then all of a sudden Patino take them to the tournament. That's not what happened. So you do think if you had like a thirty-three day pause like UNLV or a fifty-one day pause like Iona, that that was not a positive. Uh, I saw Tom Izzo going after Michigan because they had such a long pause. Okay, like that it was a positive. Well, that he had to go through the grind. And that's what. And I they actually did. They had like a two-week pause. Yeah, and that's. I don't have a problem with like a rival trashing a rival or taking shots of a rival. It's fine. I mean, it's just stupid. Like little sister. I mean, we all watched. We all watch Michigan. Oh, there you go. We all watch Michigan State throughout the season. I mean, their their biggest flaw is they really don't have a ton of offensively skilled players. That's your fault. Wait, who is, who who have we watched? Michigan State. You sure? Wow, you're right. Do you want to give the sponsor a free pop? Michigan State Spartans sponsor brought to you by no, Rocket Morgan. I think it's MSU basketball. Michigan State Spartans basketball brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. It's, MS, M, it's MSU basketball from Rocket Mortgage. Okay. We have to do that every time, right? Aren't that's we bound their, by the contract? Yes, that's their name. 
It's their official name of the program. That was ridiculous. And then they finally they toned it down a little bit. Like, it's only in the arena. Everybody's going to do it now, though. Uh, I don't know about that, but if you can. Yeah. No, I'm going to stick with Nova Home Runs. All right. Next up. Number two. So many places to go here. So many things in the air. I do want to mention, what were the Saints doing with the Taysom Hill deal? Are they having fun here? Are they clowning the league? No, what, they, is, what is the four? What is this with with Taysom Hill and a, a, an entirely voidable contract? They could have made it four years for ten billion. It's not a real contract. It's fake. It's just it's so stupid. But this is their like we talk about capologists around the league, and you mentioned earlier like they're they're working overtime. Yeah, I think the Saints have like seven guys. Like they have a whole team of people just massaging the cap. Like, I mean, if you and if you're out there saying like, oh, this is ridiculous, like that shouldn't be part of the for the procedure, I mean, there's no team that does it like the Golden Knights do in hockey. Like the Golden Knights are the, you know, the pros at manipulating the salary cap. And like last year, yeah. we know what they did in terms of, you know, sending guys up and down every day. This year, they're not even playing with a full roster, so they can stay under the cap and try to create some space. Like this, this is what they do. And there's people that are full, their full time job is figuring out the cap. And the Saints, you know, have a dedicated team of doing this. And they're trying to figure out the cap every day. And so this this is basically, you could report the contract for whatever you want. It's not a real contract. It's a completely voidable contract. And it's just a it's a skirting of the salary cap to keep Taysom Hill around. The Taysom Hill thing is so weird. Like, I don't think anybody believes he's going to be the starting quarterback. The plan is for Jameis Winston to be the starting quarterback. If they can get him. If somebody doesn't sign him away. If they can afford him. Because they don't have any money. But, I mean, I think that's the plan. It, it's just it's so insane. And... You know, I think that I think people also think the guy's like 24. Like, ah, oh, one day he's gonna get his shot. Like, no, he's much closer to the end of his career than the beginning. So, number one, my fault. Finish up. No, 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 I really had nothing else. I was just going on about Taysom Hill, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just so I'm so excited for you to celebrate because you're wearing your jacket over there. I mean, the Jets, Jets are dominating today. Uh, free agent news in: <laughs> Raiders lose Malik Collins. Raiders lose Aguilar to the. Patriots Raiders sign looks like Yannick Ngakwe to a two-year, twenty-six million-dollar deal. The Jets just made a big splash. Was there someone else besides Corey Davis? No, Corey Davis. So Corey Davis, wide receiver who was a top-ten pick a couple of years ago, has still not had a thousand-yard season. He's the first bigger name wide receiver off the board. Twenty-seven million guaranteed. What was it? Three for thirty-six. Yeah. Okay. Your thoughts? Is it the worst signing of the day? I don't know if it's the worst. It's not the best. I had, uh, I mean, I think if you're going to spend money on a receiver, I'd rather have someone like that with some upside than spend 85 million on Kenny Galladay. Am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I mean, he's a, he's a very talented player. The question is who's throwing the ball? Because I, I mean, I still think it, I still think Darnold is, should be the guy, but I yeah. think they're probably going to be looking for Wilson in the draft as well. I, like I don't know what they're going to do, but whoever it is, you're going to have to have a you're going to have to have a receiver, and I think he's a talented receiver. They lost out on Robbie Anderson last year. Uh, they tried to replace it with like a Brashad Perriman, you know, mix of a couple of guys. But you know, I, I think this is a it's a legitimate starting wide receiver that you can bring into the mix. We uh, we got reaction early in the show on the Ngakwe news that he'll be going to the Raiders from both Eric Eager and former NFL player Ben Lieber. We'll hear from both on the way back. 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So big win of the day for the Raiders, we think is Yannick Ngakwe coming on board. That'll be official later in the week. Two years, $26 million. Eric Eager was on with us earlier from PFF.com, and he talked about Ngakwe being uh, you know, one of those real beasts in terms of getting pressure on the QB. Well, you know, he's, he's one of the more productive pass rushers in the league, but in many ways I think he's been a product of the places he's been. When he was in Jacksonville, he was one of the more productive guys, but he was playing with Calais Campbell. He was playing with Marcel Darius and you know, Dante Fowler. Uh, and, and other guys where I think, you know, and then and then he goes to Baltimore this past season after a midseason trade, and something like 40%, 50% of his pressures this year were unblocked. So, they're, you know, he's in a scheme where he's not necessarily doing that well uh, from a beating blocker sort of situation, but he's getting pressure. So, you know, with the Raiders, you go with Quillen Farrell and Max Crosby, he might, you know, he slides in there as, what, the second or third end um, where you can, you know, I think if you can get some heat from some of the other more highly regarded guys on that defense, then Yanni can play well. If they if they're thinking of him as the top end, where he's got to get a lot of the pressure himself, I think they're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, secondarily, I mean, when he's played with teams with good secondaries like Baltimore, and then you know the Jalen Ramsey led Jacksonville Jaguars, he's had good pressure numbers. When he hasn't, like early on in his Minnesota days, when they couldn't cover a five dollar check, you know he struggled against the quarterback. He's a late in the down kind of pressure guy. Uh, and so the Raiders, I think, have to look at the secondary and say, if we want to complement this signing, we're going to have to get some players back there. So, would I mean, is he the kind of guy that's better served as being a situational pass rusher than an every-down guy? It sounds like that would be more a more in line with the proper role for him. I think so, and I think that's where he excelled in Jacksonville. You know, he struggles against the run, and obviously that's not as big of a part of football anymore as it used to be. Um, but he's not a very good edge defender against the run. So and he'll ha- he does have more juice when he can come off uh, the ball and he was that way in Baltimore he was not playing uh, starter snaps in Baltimore he's playing behind Pernell McPhee and Matthew Judon Judon signed with the Patriots today um, so you know if he can you know Farrell and and Crosby can lock down the two starting end spots Yannick Ngakwe might put up really good pass rushing numbers relative to the number uh, of plays he's sort of similar I think this is sort of way back in the Oakland Raider days but Lance Johnstone in the sense where Wherever he would start for a team, he'd get like five sacks. Whenever he would come off the bench, he'd get 10 or 12 sacks. Like, I think that might be the more of the role. And that's, of course, a disappointment if you're paying the guy $13 bucks. Eric Eager from PFF.com. We're going to get a reaction from Ben Lieber, who we talked to a little earlier in the show. He wasn't exactly thrilled with what he saw in Yannick Ngakwe. So Adam and I both like the move, but we're getting uh, pumped the brakes from some of the football experts out there. We'll flip the page on the way back, talk brackets, especially – on the West Coast, the, uh, the guy who's the king of uh, Pac-12 media, John Wilner, will be up on Cofield and Company. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You know, I watched the bracket unveiling show, and I was thinking to myself, man, you know what? I feel like the Pac-12 got screwed again. Then I read John Wilner's story from the uh, Bay Area News Group, and I was like, ah, I guess 
It's not that bad. Uh, John can tell us the story. John's up on Cofield and Company. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You you gave a, a more rosy uh, picture of how the Pac-12 did in terms of the brackets. I didn't love the seeds, but I understand they go by the by the numbers. So uh, give the Vegas audience on how you thought the Pac-12 did in terms of uh, numbers of teams getting into the bracket. Well, I mean, certainly they they uh, there was nobody else was getting in, right? I mean, they didn't have anybody else that had uh, you know the resume to get in as an at-large team. There were four. And then they got Oregon State winning the conference tournament, allowed them to get a fifth. Um, you know, so the issue more is where where the teams were seated, and I thought it was pretty fair. I mean, there's nobody that had the resume to justify a top four seed. The conference just wasn't that good. Uh, there were too many non-conference losses early, uh, so the, you know you just couldn't build up the. You know, it's kind of a self-fulfilling cycle, right? And so if your conference doesn't do well non-conference, you can't build up the quality wins in league play. So Colorado probably deserved to be the highest seed team, and they got a five, and that was about right for them. Uh, Oregon, USC, right in the middle there, the 6-7 range, that's about right. Nobody, nobody deserved, in my opinion, to, to be a top four. Yeah, I think Oregon and USC can play beyond those seeds, though. Do you? Yeah, I do absolutely. But playing, you know, playing beyond the seed and where you get seated are two different things, right? The committee is trying to base it on what your resume says as of Selection Sunday. Uh, I totally agree with you that teams could play beyond their seed, but that's you know that's the case with everybody. Michigan State could play beyond their seed, right? That's a great example. They beat two number ones, and they're an eleven, uh, and they're an eleven because of. You know what they what they did over the course of the season, not necessarily because of what they can do over the next three weeks. Right. Yeah, I think the non-conference thing is interesting since so many teams got their non-con chopped down. And I guess uh, you know I I understand you you're answering like, hey, dummy, that's what the numbers say. But in, in watching from an eye test standpoint, I watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. I don't feel like the big. I think the Big Ten gets a little too much credit uh, for its depth. We'll see how these teams perform in the tournament. So let's talk specifically. Uh, Oregon. This is a team that's loaded with transfers. It, it, things came together late. Listen, they didn't do what they wanted to in the conference tournament. Uh, what do you think of Oregon's chances of making a real run? Uh, you know, I would not be surprised at all if Oregon's still playing on the second weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that there's a chance Oregon and SC could end up playing in the Sweet 16, right? Uh, yeah. Oregon, they could beat Iowa. they got to figure out how to stop Garza because Oregon's not, you know, they're not that big up front. Uh but they, you know, and with Kansas's issues, or USC could come out of there. So I could see the Trojans and, and Ducks playing off in the in the Sweet 16. There's no doubt a doubt about that. They both have the talent to be still standing after the first weekend. Uh, but you know, they gotta they gotta put it all together. And and the, both teams have had trouble doing that, uh, you know, consistently. Right? I mean, we saw that early on in the season, and and uh, and we saw it late in the season too. How do you feel about UCLA in terms of momentum all being kind of, you know, hitting a brick wall going into this thing? Yeah, I think UCLA is uh, going to be lasting for about 40 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's a, that's a bad team for them to be playing. And they are, you know, they've lost four in a row season. They, got a, they, lost a, they blew a 16-point lead against Oregon State in the conference tournament. Now they've got to go across the country and play on a Thursday. 
I can't imagine they're very happy about the way things have, have uh, unfolded, and, and I think Michigan State's going to beat the brains out. Is it, is it me, or is that just not a Mick Cronin team? It's, you know, it's hard to say. In some ways, it, uh, they are a Cronin team because they have kind of been grinding their way through. I mean, they did finish uh, four, and they lost arguably the best player in the conference, at least the best returning player in the conference, Chris Smith, right? He was their playmaker. Uh, I think if they've got Chris Smith, they probably end up winning the, winning the league, and things are looking a lot different. But the problem they had is they just they had too many instances where they couldn't score in the last five minutes of a close game, and they were missing their playmaker. So uh, that's in that regard, I thought that they probably reached their overall. They probably reached the pro- the proper level for what they had. But you know, Cronin needs a couple of more recruiting cycles, I think, before we can really judge how he's going to do. John Milner is with us. Uh, Bay Area News Group covers the Pac-12. You know, part of the mix, too, for the Pac-12 being a little bit down in terms of public or national perception is the Arizona situation. So what do you think is going to happen? I know they're working towards keeping him, but what do you think is going to happen long range with Sean Miller, and what should happen, in your opinion? Well, I mean, you know, I'm kind of on the of the mindset that they should make a change uh, for, for a few reasons, but I don't think that, I think there's a good chance he's going to end up being the coach next year. Now, whether he's coaching as a lame duck in the last year of his contract or whether they give him some kind of uh, extension this summer that is very, you know, weighted toward the university, I don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I would, I believe he will be suspended next year for the level one violation, and he could very well be suspended for 15, 20, or 30 games. Huh. It's going to be serious. So... You know, Arizona's got to take that into account. You know, if they bring him back, they're they're saying we're we're okay having a season in which our coach is going to be serving a lengthy suspension, but we're bringing him back because of what we think he could do two, three, four years down the road once this whole thing has passed. Well, that's a pretty that's a pretty big risk, right? Uh, so we'll see if Arizona doesn't get you know that's an important program for the Pac-12 though, and if oh, they yeah. can't get it right. They can't get it right, you know, two, three years from now. Then that's going to impact the whole conference. Is there any chance someone tries to pluck Hurley from Arizona State? Um, you know, I don't know. I, the guy, you know, he's done a good job, but I don't know that he's screaming out for, for you know, the, the, the blue bloods to come get him, right? I mean, because you're not going to necessarily leave ASU and make a lateral move. But if a blue blood comes calling, he probably takes it. But the question is, is it, does he have has he done enough for a blue blood to come calling? He's he's been there for what five six years, and he has yet to win a game uh, outside of the first four in the NCAA tournament. So I don't know. I'm not sure that uh, they will. Anybody will this year. Now, if he can get things rolling next year, maybe a year from now, he's a hot name. But I don't think he's a super hot name right now. I, uh, I jumped off Arizona for a second. I want to go back to Arizona. Of the, all the items that came out, what did you think was the most serious offense by uh, Miller and the staff? Well, I mean, you know, it's academic fraud. It's, it's bribery. It's lack of coach control. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, like the holy trinity of violations. And there's, you know, what, four level ones directed at the basketball program, I think it is. So, uh, you know, it's bad stuff. And it was multiple coaches – Multiple assistants and the head coach all 
all accused of level one. That's that's pretty serious. To me, you know, there hasn't been anything that has directly tied Sean Miller to paying players at academic fraud. He's he is he has been accused of lack of coach control, which is serious, obviously. To me, the unanswered question though is what he said on that HBO, you know, the the wiretap right. when he said about recruiting Nasir Little, he said to Christian Dawkins, Miami doesn't have an advantage over us in that way, do they? And, I mean, you could certainly take that as him saying Miami doesn't have more cash available than we right. do. Right? I don't know what else they're talking about besides money. It's appear in the notice of allegations. Uh, and it's, it's, to me, that's, how, that's out there. And Arizona doesn't really have a moral high ground until they can come up with any uh, other explanation other than Miller's talking about paying players. Yeah, I just wonder if it ever came out how much money they allegedly gave to DeAndre Ayton, like the amount, like what would happen, and, and if people would be shocked, because I think they might be shocked if that actually did happen. Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. The Ayton stuff, the ESPN report, that's all very much uh, in doubt. The report itself has been uh, refuted. There's, to the best of my knowledge, there is nothing that has directly ties Miller to paying Ayton. Um, there's certainly nothing about it in the notice of allegations. So, you know, that's that's all kind of guesswork. But there is no guesswork about what he said to Christian Dawkins on that wiretap. And there is really, in my opinion, there is no explanation other than he's talking about money. So let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. And, you know, a lot of it's about Pac-12 respect and the seeds and how many teams get in. And, you know, the, the we're burying the lead because you've done a great job covering this. Uh, and I don't think it's gotten out there nationally enough. Larry Scott, as a commissioner, it's pretty flabbergasting how little he did and how much money he spent and how much he probably set this conference back while all the other Power Five conferences made these gigantic strides. The Pac-12 was stagnant or just fell behind even more. Well, I mean, certainly, yeah, it's not in a good place with football or men's basketball uh, competitively. There's no doubt about that. The degree to which Larry Scott is responsible for that situation, though, I think that there's some complexity there. I don't think it's all on Larry Scott, right? USC football's problems are not all on Larry Scott. Arizona basketball, UCLA basketball, those are not all on Larry Scott. Now, that that said, certainly policies and decisions that have been made at the conference office over the last 10 or 12 years have an impact on the competitive uh, nature of, of Pac-12 football and men's basketball. There's, there's zero doubt about that, right? But it's not an all-or-nothing deal. So I think there's a lot of gray area. And he certainly has made some decisions that have not been good. But he's also not entirely to blame for the fact that the conference hasn't had a playoff team uh, in five years. I saw there was a, a big profile. I, thought, I think Canzano did it up in uh, Portland about the uh... – the digs every year, the Larry Scott digs that he had here for the Pac-12 tournament was pretty, uh, pretty swanky stuff. Yeah, well, you know, spending, uh, generally speaking, the the conference office hasn't had a great feel for optics and optics matter, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the spending, uh, you know, on various uh, various levels, and the spending in San Francisco has yep. has not been uh, as efficient, let's just say, as it probably should be. A big part of the issue for the last 10 to 12 years is that 
it sometimes seems like the schools are working for the conference office. I mean, I've heard that, so I'm not, you know, breaking any news here. But, you know, generally speaking, you look at the Big Ten for the SEC, and the conference office is – its job is to support the schools in every way possible and to set the schools up for success on the field in every way possible. But some of the decisions and the policies at the Pac-12 office have not necessarily been – uh, it seems to set the schools up to 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 win, right? It's been what what works for the conference office, not what works for the schools. And I think that that's that's a big part of the issue here with the culture in the conference. And that's certainly something that needs to be addressed. You know, trying to find a new commissioner is they they need to have somebody in that office who whose every move and every dollar spent is is designed to benefit the campus. Does it have to be, maybe you have some front-runner names that have already developed, some uh, leaders of the pack so far. Does it have to be someone from within the conference, or should they grab someone from outside the conference? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's really any leaders yet. I don't think they've actually settled on what they think the role should be, and the search firm hasn't really started. But clearly, they need somebody who understands uh, what the challenges are like on a day-to-day basis on the campuses, right? And Larry Scott didn't come from college sports, so he really, and he surrounded himself with people who didn't come from college sports. So there was a real disconnect there about what, what life is like uh, daily, uh, you know, in the athletic department in Pullman, Washington, or Tucson, Arizona. Uh, and so they need somebody who understands that, and they need somebody who understands major college football. And I think that, you know, those two things point to hiring someone who's either an athletic director or who is working in a major college conference that understands understands football and understands challenges. John, we appreciate it. You can find John up on uh, Twitter at Wilner Hotline. His stuff is great in the uh, Bay Area News Group. Thank, uh, thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. There you go, John Wilner. I was just looking at his Twitter account as he was uh, chatting about some different job situations. <laughs> if... If Indiana could come in and steal away a coach, how good is that Indiana job? I mean, I think it's good. There's obviously tradition, there's history, there's players in that market. Um, and, and you're not following somebody that had a great amount of success necessarily. So, Like if you're Dana Altman, are you moving? Or do you look at Oregon and you're like, I got a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. Like Arizona-like stuff here. Well, even But I'm better. not dumb enough to get on the phone. I mean, and have a conversation with someone to have it recorded. Yeah, well, or in All Oregon, you don't even have to. Right. At Oregon, you don't have to. You have an entire company doing that for you. Yes. An entire shoe company and basically works on your behalf. But that Dane Alwyn would be a hell of he would be a hell of a get for Indiana. But I'm not. I would no. There's no way I'm stepping down. And I'm sure Indiana people are like, what Oregon? Like it blows you out of the yeah. water. No, Oregon is one. Oregon would be one of my top jobs if I was a college basketball coach for sure. And he's done a great job there. Everything you need. Is there with the Ducks program. Also why Mario Cristobal should be able to do a good job for the football program. There's there's no reason. If he builds a more, you know, run-based power football program that, you know, still gets guys out of Texas and California, but also is picking up guys from the south and Florida, then Oregon football should be a freaking powerhouse too. The, I mean, they kind of are. But you're right. They're, they're down a little bit the last couple of years, but they should be right back to that level. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.
Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Some interesting uh, guest reaction today on the Raiders getting Yannick Ngakwe. If you didn't hear it, two-year deal, $26 million. There was talking to them trading for him during the season. This was Ben Lieber who got to see him for uh, six games in Minnesota. He covers the Vikings, covers the national scene. He played in the NFL. Well, clearly I think the Vikings, um, they they didn't get the best into that deal. I mean, Ngakwe had, what, five sacks in six games or something like that for the for the Vikings and, um, you know, was, was an impact player. And then, you know, we gave up a second-round pick and then we didn't get that sort of value when we traded them away. So when it comes to all that, I think we, we got the wrong end of it. You know, listen, he, he padded the stats when he was here, and, and I think that he's a threat. I will, I will caution you on your enthusiasm, though, because I think one of the reasons why it seemed like he was in and out and uh, here and gone so quickly, he's not really a first and second down guy. And I think we saw that right away. Yes, he can get after the quarterback, but too many times it'd be first and second down, clearly rundowns or run situations. And what was he doing? He was flying up the field trying to get after the quarterback on a play action or, or some sort of drop back pass. And oftentimes kind of exposing that, that right defensive side um, of that defense in the run game. And so I actually thought that he was a run liability uh, just from a always guessing, trying to get to the quarterback. And, and he's, not, um, he's not a stout guy. You know, he's a long, lean, linear guy with those super long arms to, uh, to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. But when it comes to being a, a dude that was, that's going to be a run stopper plus uh, getting after the passer, I don't think that he's a complete defensive end. Wow, okay. Honest critique. We'll get more of those tomorrow. So we track down more guests to react to uh, all of free agency, but specifically the Raiders who lost to Aguilar today, the wide receiver, to the Patriots. And they got Yannick Ngakwe. Back in the bag? Stick your hand in there, Dave. Rapid fire, your final four. What are you going with? Um, I took Alabama for sure. You did? Yes. Uh, took him over Isaiah Liversless, Michigan. Um, I'm taking Baylor. Everybody's kind of down on them since the pause. I think they rally. Uh, they come back. They get it done. Uh, I want to take Gonzaga, but I can't. It's just too obvious. So Ooh, Thank I, God. I took Virginia. Ooh. Battle through the COVID. Somehow find a way to beat them. All right, Midwest? Uh, I took Illinois. You did? Yeah. They look good. Real good. I, I, I wish they wouldn't have won the Big Ten tournament Yeah, because I had them for weeks. Se- secret's out. Yeah, it's out. And you know how I feel about Coach Brad. So, Yeah, if, you, uh, if you're going to officiate where you can't touch Kofi Coburn, forget about it. They're winning the national title. Well, good luck. They, man, they love to protect their big men in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, believe it or not, I have Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, and Oki State. I went with Oki State. Oh, we're close. I would love for Oklahoma State to make it. And then, uh, you know, under the – under the specter of uh, being in trouble with the NCAA, which they never made a decision on their eligibility, so they're in. All right, rapid fire to close. We're going to be following coaching circles, rumor mill stuff. We were just mentioning the Indiana job. Ready for these odds? Give me a yes or no. John Beeline. No. Scott Drew. Maybe. Chris Beard. No. Dane Altman. He won't take it, but no. That, that matter. Why would you want him? <laughs> He's going to be rumored. I'll promise you that. Those are the uh, top six odds on the board. Dane Fife is seventh. I think he'll get the job. He might. I think that's the most likely out of those that group. All right, big week of reaction 
to uh, NFL free agency. We got hockey, though. Come on down. Bar Canada, drink specials, giveaways. It's inside the D on the second floor.